I'm Willie Doherty. I am the rector of St Nicholas Church of England in Cramblington. And I and my wife have two Springer Lab cross dogs. Uh, the older one is Shada, the male. He's black. And his mate is Lottie. And she's a golden a Springer Lab cross. We go to the beach a fair amount because they're retrieving dogs and in particular the Spaniel Labrador mix seems particularly keen on the seaside so we do a fair bit of retrieving from the sea. So Shadow, he is essentially a Spaniel from the neck down, body shaped Spaniel built like a pocket battleship um, Labrador face, Spaniel ears, uh, a mixture of both natures. Very, very determined. Uh, had a th- one or two hints about that previously, but very determined. Uh, and on the day in particular, we are at Seton Sluice Beach and it's an overcast day. There's a gentle swell, but otherwise nothing untoward. Uh, when we arrived at the beach on that day, uh, there aren't, I don't remember any other dogs being there or any other, uh, or many other folks anyway. And uh, just the Six Nations Rugby Championship, as I recall, had finished. And uh, in the past I've bought him a rugby ball uh, instead of a football. And on this occasion, the rugby ball proved to be problematic because when I threw it into the water, every time... He grabbed the end on it, shot out of his mouth. So he began to chase it in a circle. And uh, initially I'm not too concerned about this until I realised the circle is becoming greater in diameter and he's actually moving out as he's chasing it. There was a time when I would have gone in after him. Yeah, I think the first thing that troubled me about it was he wasn't responding at all to instruction. And then I realised the red mist has come down here and uh, that's not going to work. The possibilities of going in, by that time he's already 50 yards out and I already am thinking about the need to call out the lifeboat um, and that's going to be difficult enough without them having to rescue two of us. He's a far better swimmer than I am now. And I think, my thinking was, if they get here within half an hour, they'll get him. He can stay afloat for half an hour. So really, quick think through the process. Will I go in? No, not a good idea for you. Um, He's a better swimmer than you are. Uh, They have a better chance of catching him, collecting, saving him on his own than they have if you go in after him. Not the least because the two of you might be separated and then there's a problem of that. So I think these things went through my thinking uh, before I called the Coast Guard. Taught my children, you never ever send the dog where you wouldn't go, so watch where you send the dog. However, that was 20 years ago and he's a far better swimmer than I am, or was at the time.
I think immediately the family thing's an issue. I have to be candid enough to say uh, very early on in my thinking was the consequences of going home without him. So that had to be thrown into the mix as well. Um, as far as being uh, logical and so on, what does this boil down to? And really it boils down to better bet is him on his own rather than me going in after him at that stage. Yeah, and as I say, I reckon he could probably stay afloat in these conditions for half an hour without much bother if they could get to him in that time. And I really was very heartened when the Coast Guard turned up at my side 10 minutes after the call. The boat has been dispatched from Blythe and probably we need to move from here if we are to see him. So we wandered along the beach towards the harbour at Seaton Sluice and then around the harbour and then out of the harbour and between, I think it's the hotel called the King's Head and there's another building on the other side between these two onto a headland and we stood there and looked and possibly that was the most dispiriting moment because I realised we had gone about a hundred yards out and still there's no sign not the least because he's now exactly the same colour as the water probably that was the low point until I heard a voice telling the Coast Guard, a voice from behind me telling the Coast Guard, tell the boat to aim for the stern of that ship out there. And in some ways that was even worse because the ship was, I don't know, maybe three, four miles away. And then I realised he was talking about an intercept course. So this guy behind me has a large pair of binoculars. And apropos nothing, that dawned on me, I had came across maybe half a dozen people within these five minutes from Seaton Sluice with binoculars. And I thought, obviously not watching daytime TV in Seaton Sluice here, we've got the shortwave band on listening to the Coast Guard. And uh, inadvertently, my dog is providing some entertainment. The difficulty was getting him into the boat because he may have a red mist but he's easily spooked by noise and I think the engine uh, probably as soon as you know, they would go towards him he'd swim away, that sort of thing and he, he weighs a fair bit so I'd imagine it would take a fairly strong person or two not quite so strong persons to get him in his version of this I think is something like, well, I was just swimming back to the shore when I was nearly run down by a lifeboat. Because I'm guessing absolutely oblivious to what's going on. Red mist again. And suddenly these folks appear and he really isn't sure who they are. They don't look as if they're friends of his dad. So shift it quick. But yeah, got back in, very happy. Is uh, a very, very definite people dog. So he would enjoy uh, the attention all the way back in. Um, but yeah, I don't think it was easy for them to get him aboard. The guy in charge of the boat gave me some very good advice. He'd told me that he had seen him go under a couple of times. And therefore it would be wise, even though he appeared to be okay, to take him to the vet and check on 
any possibility of the effects of secondary drowning. So we did that. But otherwise, apart from being tired, uh, it was okay. And again, uh, the look he gave me suggested that he was a bit concerned that he'd come back without the ball. And there might be trouble as a result of this. And I assured him as best I could that there wouldn't be. Um, so out of the boat, a bit wobbly, but I have to tell you, after 10 minutes, ready to go again. It's the nature of the beast. I've learned that you must never assume that you've covered every angle. It's always provisional. Right? Um, I was satisfied that what we were doing was well within his limits. What I had not taken account of was the fact that he would not give up under any circumstances. Now, that's the first time I've come across that. So what we've done since is we've bought them both life jackets, bright yellow, so that they can be seen. Um, and now uh, I would go for much earlier intervention on my part then I, would, I wouldn't let him get to 50 yards shouting. I now know if he's without 10 yards and shouting, I go in, paddle in, not out of my depth, and grab him. So I think there's stuff like that, you know, recognising, even though you think you've got it covered, they're still, they're still got minds of their own, you know, and, and, and they, they, you can't predict completely the way they're going to uh, react. I think the impact of it is amplified because our children are all adult, grown up in a way. And uh, now, your pets sneak into your heart anyway. But I think here there was a sudden recognition of just how pivotal they are to your family's relationships here. If I had gone home without him, the whole dynamic of the family would have changed. And I think it's one of these situations that it's only when what you have is threatened that you realise the value of it or the investment you've made in it. I think probably that's it. We like to think that we're, we're, we're um, realistic and uh, fairly unsentimental dog owners. Well, Shadow drove a cart and horses through that, I think. I think that uh, we've been sort of kidding ourselves about it. And uh, the dogs are actually some sort of link, I think, between me and my wife. I would hope not absolutely in the way that children uh, were. Um, but for my own money, I've never drawn much distinction between toddlers and, uh, and Labradors. I think possibly you treat them all the same way. But I think, I think that's it. You recognise the investment... You recognise the wee bit of glue they bring to your family, holding stuff together, and that definitely would have gone. Uh, to 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 my closer friends, I've 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 confessed that if I had gone without, gone home without him, I'd been seeing the world from a wheelchair for a wee while. You know, <laughs> Mrs. Doherty would not have been happy.
Hello, this is Louise Minchin. You've been listening to the RNLI's 200 Voices Collection. To hear more remarkable stories, head to rnli.org slash 200 voices or subscribe to RNLI wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Two Hundred Voices is an adventurous audio limited production for the RNLI.